Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Revisited Mysteries. My name is Kat, and I am your ghoulishly, witchy, friendly host of this podcast that kind of delves into all the episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, whether it be from the Netflix reboot or all the way from my homie, Robert Stack. So today's episode does come with a very large trigger warning. So warning, please be advised that this podcast does contain crude language, discretion and description of gruesome crime scenes, investigational evidence, as well as just, I guess, all-around tomfoolery from me. So if you don't want to hear any potty talk or if you don't want to talk about blood and crime scenes, this episode is not for you. So discretion is advised. Let's go. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Revisited Mysteries. Today, I'm just here by myself. I'm just going to be winging it and we will be talking about the Unsolved Mysteries case from the Netflix reboot from season two and this is the Mystery on the Rooftop episode about Ray Rivera. This case personally gives me a lot of anxiety, not gonna lie, because there's so much like what the fuck shrouded around it. And just to give you a quick little, you know, gist of it, it is a apparent quote unquote suicide as determined by the Baltimore police of a 32 year old man named Ray Rivera, who supposedly, you know, according to them, had jumped off the roof of a famous old hotel in downtown Baltimore. It came crashing into a like hardly used racquetball club room and sadly committed suicide with no rhyme or reason. And today we're going to kind of be talking about the theories from the episode, my personal theories, and just the total weirdness of this case. And, you know, obviously, if you just heard a second ago from the intro, this is going to be filled with discussion of crime scene, um, the investigation, which, you know, is not going to be suitable for everybody. So if you have a weak stomach or you really are just, you know, looking for more of what our previous episode about aliens and conspiracies was all about, then, you know, this episode won't be for you. But if you are okay with gruesome crime scene descriptions and just really eerie situations, then this is going to be the story for you. So give me a second. I'm just going to pull up my notes because I really wanted to be thorough with this one because like I said, this is an episode that when I first saw it, I felt a lump just fall from my stomach to my asshole. Like it just, just seemed to me to be so impossible when it comes to declaring this a suicide just because of all the factors that I'm gonna cover here in just a second okay so let's start with the basics you know Ray Rivera was um a 32 year old man he had just gotten married to the love of his life her name's Allison and I'm gonna talk about her a lot in this case because she is very hands-on with trying to figure out what had happened to her husband um and he was living in Baltimore Maryland. He had taken a job from a old high school friend named Porter Sansbury. Again, someone I'm going to talk about 
fully in detail later on. Um, so keep these names kind of in a nice little section in your brain, like nice little shelf. Okay. So before they had moved to Baltimore, Ray was a screenwriter and he was living with his wife in Southern California. Unfortunately, around this time, you know, you got to think of 9-11 had just happened. This was, you know, 2004. Um, and so they, his work was kind of drying up around this time, you know, if you're, if you know, you know, and so he took this job from his best friend thinking, you know, okay, this is a, you know, a definite job. You know, I know Porter, he's my best friend since forever. Like this will be great. You know, yeah, we don't have any connections to Baltimore, but we'll make new friends. Like they're a young couple in their thirties. You know, they have the whole world ahead of them. They, you know, Ray was a water polo player. He was six foot five, athletic, you know, 216 pounds. There's no reason why, you know, he wouldn't be able to conquer the world. And he was supposed to, according to everyone who knows him, you know, loved ones, family. And, <coughs> excuse me, guys. Um, so, um, apparently... On the day of May 16th, 2006, Allison decided, had well, not decided, she had to leave for a business trip. And so, you know, she'd had a morning that was really nice. As she describes, it was a beautiful morning, is what she said, actually. And, you know, Ray and her had coffee. Ray made her breakfast. He carried her luggage down to the car. Everything was great. This is the morning of Ray's disappearance and everything starts to unfold right so you know no signs that this is a man that's about to go commit suicide you know eight to ten hours later and so um ray ray says goodbye to allison allison gets in the car and she drives off and she goes off to where her work um business trip is gonna be okay back at the house she does have a colleague from work who is staying with them from new york her name is claudia she is a house guest she had been staying with them for um i believe they said a week pre up to this point um and she was you know gonna go back home soon but it was just her and ray in the house she said around 6 p.m their time in Baltimore, Ray received a phone call. It was a very quick phone call. And um, Claudia says that, you know, the phone call was quick and he quickly got off the phone just as fast as he got on and then ran out the door, seemingly in a hurry, almost like he was late for an appointment. You know, granted, it's six o'clock at night. You know, where where would Ray be going that Allison didn't know of? So, um, Ray leaves, right? And Claudia's still back at the house. You know, she's thinking, oh, well, that's weird. He just, you know, left. But I'm sure everything's fine. Whatever. So, later on in the day, you know, now it's probably about 6.15, 6.30, 6 o'clock is what Allison said. And she tried to call Ray's cell phone. Ray's not answering. Weird, huh? You know, especially Allison. She said that Ray was a family man. He was, you know, family was very important to him. He would never, you know, screen someone's call or not be able to get a call if something was, you know, everything was okay. So she then calls Claudia, who's, you know, at the house. Claudia says, well, you know, he did receive a phone call and left a couple hours ago, like frantically, but let me go see if he's back. She goes to his office the study and their bedroom notices all the lights are on, but there's no Ray. 
So Claudia tells, oh my God, I'm already, I'm already getting chills and I'm not even at that part yet. Oh my God. So Claudia tells Allison, Hey, you know, Ray's not here, but uh, you know, when he gets back, I'll give you a call. Now let's fast forward to 5am the next morning. And Allison receives a phone call from Claudia saying, Allison, Ray's still not home. At this point, he's probably been missing for up to now almost 12 hours, you know, 10 to 12 hours. And Allison immediately gets her suitcase, throws it in the trunk, and drives back home to Baltimore. So sorry, I don't know where her business trip was. I don't actually believe that um, I could find that information. I don't think she, I mean, I'm sure it's probably in public record from her interview. But definitely, I can tell you, Allison is not a suspect in this. So if that's where you're going... I don't think that that's the case. So I really did not go too far into Allison's background because I really didn't feel it was necessary for this case. Anyways, so Allison gets home and she immediately notices coming in the back door that on the kitchen counter is a um, like a soda and um, or some kind of like, you know, sparkling water, some kind of beverage with a bag of open chips and Ray's retainer, okay? For a man who, if he was gonna go off somewhere or, you know, at this point he's just missing, if someone was going to leave, you know, your retainer would be something you would take with you. Just saying, I am a girl who wears contacts, so everywhere I go, I take my contacts case with me. So I know when it comes to those kind of things, we're not the type of people to leave that behind, you know? So I'll also, like I said, the lights in the study, the bedroom, and his office were still all on. And so at this point, Allison, you know, freaks out. She calls her mother-in-law in in Puerto Rico. She calls her brother in Orlando, Florida, or I'm sorry, her um, brother-in-law. And immediately family starts to come down and they just turn their dining room into home base on trying to find Ray Rivera. So um, they have police obviously involved. And at this point, also Porter, like I mentioned earlier, um, has now put a somewhat, honestly, I thought it was kind of fucking cheap, to be honest, for someone who owns a financial company. But this is also 2000 and like, um what 2004 no I'm I'm sorry they moved in in 2004 this is now 2006 when he goes missing May 16th you know for 2006 I kind of felt like a thousand dollars as a reward is a little skimpy but that's okay anyways beside the point so Porter puts out this big thousand dollar reward and that gets media attention so media is now getting involved police are involved friends and family are involved like This man has a giant search team. Wow, I am just getting so out of breath because it's about to get real, okay? I'm going to give you one more warning. Like I said, if you are not okay with gruesome crime scene descriptions, I would click off. I'll give you a couple seconds. Okay. All right. If you're still with me, let's keep on rolling. Okay, so he goes missing, right? You know, everybody's searching for him. You know, um, they're putting flyers up everywhere. They've got, you know, people going from, you know, door to door, coffee shop to coffee shop, all up and down downtown Baltimore. And let's look at the facts we know right now. Okay, so Ray went missing May 16th. 
got a random phone call. At this point, we still don't know where the phone call came from. We just know he got a call, randomly left in, like, almost in a panic, left in a hurry. We know that, you know, he's recently married. He's 32. He seems happy. You know, he wants to start a family. Like, what? what's going on here, you know? Everybody is just racking their brain trying to figure out where Ray could be. So, also, keep in mind that the car is missing. So, wherever Ray is, we know his car went with him. Car is not at home in the driveway. And um, we know that uh, he went missing on May 16th. And we know that, you know, any personal belongings, ID, money, all of that seem would seem to be on him. You know, no glasses, no phone. Nothing was found in the house other than the um, open can of soda, half bag of chips. Hi, friends. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but today this episode is sponsored. Yay. Um, thank you so much to Parade for sponsoring this episode of Revisited Mysteries. If you guys didn't know who Parade was, they happen to make, I kid you not, the softest bras, softest underwear on the planet. Okay, ladies, trust me. When I tell you this bra gives you unrepressed support without the like stupid underwire and the stupid straps just cutting your shoulder, not fitting right. And Parade actually also is size inclusive. So if you are plus size in between, petite, doesn't matter, you'll be able to find your size and style at parade.com. So if you would like to use my discount code, please use the code misinterpret this. That's M-I-S-I-N-T-E-R-P-R-E-T-T-H-I-S. Again, use code misinterpret this to save 20% at checkout. And let's get back to the episode. Here we go. So they had gone um, looking around and his couple of co-workers and friends had, you know, everyone's been searching the streets. And finally, Allison's parents had decided to go drive around in some parking lots in downtown. You know, the parking lots where you pay like 10, 15, 20 bucks to park overnight or however long you need. And uh, they ended up finding Ray's car in spot number seven. At this point, it is May 22nd when they find the car, and this lot is parked next to a very iconic Baltimore building, the Belvedere Hotel. Allison, when she gets to the site, notices that there's a parking ticket on the window that the proves the car had been sitting for several days. So the car definitely was parked May 16th, the night that Ray went missing. Nothing of evidence was recovered in the car. Um, you know, no fingerprints, no blood, no anything pointing that this was a part of a crime scene. Uh, we just know that the car was parked in a hurry because he did park the car kind of like sideways, like cattywampus in a space. So he like whipped in. Um, and then there was no like phone, keys, nothing left behind. So it, he just kind of was like in and out of his car and just left on foot somewhere. Now, 
Um, the probably I think it was up. To, I think it was two days later. Uh, this is when some coworkers decided to go look at the top of the, this parking garage that was sitting next to the Belvedere Hotel in the parking lot. So like in between, like an Oreo cookie. The parking garage is the creek. So the friends go up to the top, and they're looking over the ledge, and they notice on this little like added extension of the building you know probably only goes up to the second or fourth floor of the belvedere hotel there is a small holy shit there's a small hole in the roof and this roof is partially made out of concreted metal and immediately the co-workers and i thought it was really odd right that co-workers had found this hole um after six days you know actually eight days of being missing because the car was found on the sixth day um so this is two days later they call police police then go in the belvedere hotel asked to be taken to the section of the hotel which happened to be the old racquetball room it also was like half of like a church and the second they opened the door boom whiff of a dead decomposing body which we later find out is Ray Rivera. So let's talk about injuries. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's get let's get the elephant in the room out there because hold on to your fucking ankles and kiss your ass goodbye because this shit is fucking brutal, okay? Uh, this man, Ray Rivera, uh, you know, supposedly... He had extensive decomposition, so obviously he had been sitting in that room. And this is, again, a room that's not being used. And also remember, this is Maryland, so the fact of or idea of air conditioning being working in this probably wasn't the case. So um, he had just extensive decomposition with ribs, ribs fractured, punctured lung, skull damage, protrusions that are about, you know, nine inches long, and his leg bone was actually protruding through his flesh. Also, keep in mind, he had extensive shin breaks. So police could determine due to his breaks, in their mind, they were like, oh, this guy came basically like a projectile straight up and down like a torpedo through the roof due to the extensive energies he had weird thing was there was really no blood on the hole there was blood however all over the wall that was adjacent to um closer to the upper half of his body his legs were severely like i said mangled and just bent to shit and facing toward the door so um that wall closest to where his upper body was had blood spatter on it um, but the hole seemingly really didn't have much biological evidence of Ray. You know, not really much blood. You know, nothing that somebody couldn't just take some blood off of him and, like, flick it up on the hole. You know, and in my mind, if someone is, you know, plummeting like a torpedo through a hole, the hole to me would have a the most blood. You know, be completely viscerated with blood gore flesh everything you know and also to keep in mind um the reason why they even called about this hole in the roof is because they found a set of flip-flops and a phone sitting next to it okay so now let's 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 keep in mind the theory that police is trying to spin here that you know ray committed suicide he jumped off the roof of the belvedere hotel for one this uh hole is about 45 feet 
away from the edge of the Belvedere rooftop. So he would have really had to have been super manning off that roof for that even to happen. Also, for him to come crashing in, you know, seemingly feet first is what their theory is. You know, it just doesn't seem possible. For one, flip-flops to be sitting next to the hole, not on his body or somewhere in that racquetball room where he plummeted through, supposedly. Um, also, like I said, there is no real blood on the hole. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, it, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't sit with me. I don't fucking like it. So, now the police has a body. They have to call, obviously, Allison and his brother, the family, up to the station to identify and inform this family that supposedly their loved one committed suicide. Again, with no real reasoning to even say this is a suicide at all. Um, the, uh, medical examiner, however, had a different thing to say. So as you know, you know, for a case to really truly be ruled a suicide, the medical examiner has to check off that box. You know, we have, there is, um, like natural causes, homicide, um, suicide, and then you have, um, the box that says, you know, um, it's, uh, What's it called? Oh my God. What is it? Undetermined. Thank you. I'm talking to myself. Wow. I just thanked myself. I'm sorry. I warned you guys that things were going to get weird on here and that I'm just a mess. So if you're here now, then you already knew this and I appreciate you. Anyways, back to the autopsy. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, so, you know, the medical examiner told Allison, Hey, you know, due to the way his shins were broken, or are broken, there is no way that I'm going to rule this as a suicide. You know, that's all that she could say, because again, this is an active investigation. She couldn't tell Allison too much because, you know, you never knew. Allison could have been the killer. I, like I said, don't think she is. Like, I'm 99.999% sure she's not. So, but if she was, I get why the medical examiner didn't want to go into too much detail. I could compromise the case, right? So, let's look at what we got so far you know ray had been missing eight days car was found on the sixth day allison is now a grieving widow and the police are trying to quickly sweep this under the rug and consider this a suicide oh he just jumped from the roof of the hotel problem solved here's a tissue bye bye lady like that's what's trying to happen right um Allison, after he had gone missing, decided that she was going to start searching the house, you know, doing her thing. And God bless her because she finds the weirdest fucking shit. And I think this is why I feel my like, you know, this big like lump in my stomach fall to my asshole every time I think about this Ray Rivera case. The reason why is this fucking note that was folded up very neatly and cut out from a like letter sized printer paper, but written very tiny to where it would maybe only be about two inches wide when folded. Oh, excuse me, guys. I'm just going to keep it real. Okay. I'm exhausted. Aren't we all? Um, but the note And this is how it begins. And I'm going to read little excerpts through as I talk about the note. And if you need to pause to Google and reference these quotes, please do. And I swear to God, it will sit with you just as bad as it sat with me. The note begins. Brothers and sisters, right now, all around, volcanoes are erupting. What an awesome sight. 
whom virtue unites, death will not separate. I stand before you a man who understands purpose and value of our secrets, and that's why I cherish them as secrets. Let's just kind of think about, you know, how weird that is. Why would this man be writing these on a random piece of paper taped to the back of his computer? Well, you know, we can also, you know, talk about the fact he's a screenwriter who, you know, likes to doodle and write and he is very imaginative. You know, that's one thing. But the fact that also this note is followed up by random, almost like, words and names of movies and actors and friends but he leaves out like crucial family members like Allison his mother his brother like the, the important people but he's just randomly listing off all of these strange things in this note and you know immediately everybody was you know curious that if this was a letter written in code right uh, that's what I would think and if you want to know what the full letter said um, you can go to unsolved.com or you can also like uh, check out any of the links re- regarding the Ray Rivera case, which I will link down below in the description. Um, and I'm going to try to get a close up picture of the physical note. And I would love to see if you guys could break the case in the note because the note just is so weird to me and like so eerie. Kind of gives me like Jean Benet Ramsey vibes. You know what I mean? Like, did he write that note? Like, it's typed out. Like, I mean, it's all things that Ray would know. So, like, maybe. And they did find the clippings of, you know, the rest of the piece of paper. Because, again, he shrunk the text down really small in the trash that day. So, Ray had written the letter that day. Which is just so weird to me. Like, I don't know. Anyway, so FBI had taken the note and they could not decipher anything off of it. No idea what the note means. Allison, though, she did her due diligence and went to Google and decided to type in the first sentence. Again, I will read it to you. Brothers and sisters, right now, all around, volcanoes are erupting. What an awesome sight. Whom virtue unites, death will not separate. That quote my friends, is actually a Freemason quote. And um, also, let's keep in mind that, you know, Ray, I forgot to mention this, Ray actually is has an interest in conspiracies and writing about free, um, like, you know, um, like, uh, you know, secret societies and the Freemasons, you know, he had liked to write about that stuff. So could this be a note pertaining to like a random screenplay or a movie? Yes. I just think it's so odd that he wrote it the day he went missing, right? Just doesn't sit with me because of that day. Now, let's also go back to the other big elephant in the room. Besides the autopsy, and now besides the random Freemason note, the fact that he was had like had received a phone call prior to him leaving the house randomly at six o'clock on that day, May 16th, 2006. Now, police had been able to receive police record at this point and were able to at least find out that the phone call and hold on to your fucking ankles again and kiss your ass goodbye. The phone call had come from Porter, Stansberry, and Associates. Ray's work. So, 
We unfortunately, because it came from a switchboard, were not able to find out who called, who made the call, who called Ray. But definitely something about Stansberry and Associates stands out to me, right? Something about Porter stands out to me. And why, do you ask? Because after Ray's body was found on the eighth day, immediately hours later, Porter Stansberry orders a fucking gag order on his employees and himself and refuses to participate in the investigation of Ray Rivera's death. Why? Why would someone who has been friends with someone since they were 15, refuse to speak to the police in regards to the investigation, especially since a phone call was placed out of the office, given to, sent to Ray, and that being the last known phone call that Ray Rivera took possibly alive. You know, why wouldn't you help? Why wouldn't you want to do everything you can? Well, Ray had moved to Baltimore, actually, in a kind of auspicious situation, right? Ray was actually coming to Baltimore to kind of help Porter Boy out of a jam. He had written a financial article, and he is a financial institute, like, company who writes about stocks and, you know, what stocks to buy, which ones, you know, not to. Granted, I don't know much about stocks, okay? Like, my stock knowledge, it stops and starts at the Wolf of Wall Street. So, um, but, you know, Porter basically was talking about this Russian situation, some kind of Russian company. It was, like, a board of scientists working on some kind of um, piece of technology. And well, the stock tip went south and a lot of people, including the Russians lost their money. And Ray was brought over to kind of be like Porter's PR man, like help him clean up his image and, you know, write really good articles and like kind of, you know, put a new spin on Stansberry and associates. But, you know, Ray taking this job, who knows what kind of information like Ray was kind of given at his feet. You know, he had to write articles about stocks. You know, it, one wrong word can really dictate the direction of where this stock is going to go. Are people going to buy it? Are they going to sell? Is it going to plummet? Is it going to rise? Like what are, what's going to happen? You know, is the possibility that, you know, Ray wrote an article or Porter had, you know, written an article and Ray was, you know, put as the front man to kind of clean it up and someone who lost a lot of money and you know people who do crazy fucking shit for money was like oh fuck this ray rivera guy i'm taking him out like we don't know we don't know and that's the crazy thing and the fact that we don't know what like porter knows and you know all we know is that like before ray took this job porter was in trouble with the sec and like he just has his own kind of can of worms i don't know immediately i thought that porter was suspicious shit because he would not talk to the police he was immediately putting a gag order on all of his employees like what the fuck especially for a case that at this point police are trying to push that suicide narrative so i mean like what would he have to lose you know like in on paper it doesn't make any sense and it just makes him look sus as shit okay allison sus as shit when it comes to fucking porter like she knows something is up there and the other kicker of this story right so 
If you thought that it started and ended with May 16th when Rain went missing, you are gravely mistaken, my friends, because actually there had been two attempted break-ins up to a week before Ray had gone missing on May 16th. And it happened in the middle of the night, and Allison is now convinced that Ray knew, like I said, knew some information that he just should not have fucking known. And Allison said that of these two nights when these attempted break-ins had happened, the alarm of the house luckily went off both times. The last time that it happened, she said that Ray was so terrified she had never seen that look of fear in that man's eyes. You know, let's let's not forget, Ray is a big dude, okay? He's six foot five, 216 pounds, athletic as shit. Like, he's a fucking water polo player. I bet he can, like, lunge through that fucking room, like the flash right and he is gripping a baseball bat like a five-year-old who just saw the boogeyman okay so if that doesn't scream fucking with the wrong people i don't know what does also let's go back to the this russian like company right it's rumored that this russian situation was actually like possibly owned by like russian mafia or kgb who knows but what we do know is that Ray did not commit suicide. I'm sorry. I'm never, ever, ever going to support that theory. And that Ray opened a can of worms that he just should not have opened, clearly. And, I mean, I just... The fact that this case is still unsolved and the police are still trying to say this is a suicide and, like, that Allison... Oh, my God. Poor Allison and his poor mother. I mean... Right off the bat, let's now go into theories, right? I don't think suicide's one. Um, Do I think that he possibly could have been dropped from like a high state? Like a helicopter? (coughs) Almost like thrown from the roof? Like up, like really high? Possibly, you know? I don't understand the hole and why the hole is there because it doesn't make any sense, really. You know, the hole, it's not a big hole. You know, if he were to jump, like, the likelihood of you going in feet first and, like, being, you know, acrobatic with that shit, it's just not possible. I mean, and also keep in mind, I don't even think I mentioned this part. Ray is, like, deathly afraid of heights. So... Just the way that his body was just mangled like that and just found in the most horrific state. I mean, who's to say that we can rule out that Ray wasn't like beaten at another place and then, like I said, from like a helicopter or something and just dropped? Like, or he was just placed in that room and then they created the hole after the fact. Like, the fact that his sandals were like neatly placed up there and there are skid marks on the sandal. I think I mentioned that. If I didn't, let me go back to the sandals. You know, like I said, a strap was broken. They found both shoes and they found that there was like a like drag marks, like fresh drag marks on the toe of the flip-flop. So like picture an old navy flip-flop for a second, okay? Um, you know, it's not that thin of thick, I'm sorry, it's not that thick of rubber. It's pretty thin. So 
was he dragged and like thrown and like or beaten i don't know and like by who by who who called from porter and stansbury associates who made that phone call and you know what if it was fucking porter i wouldn't fucking doubt it okay like that was your best friend since you were 15 dirty 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 shit and if this man has any kind of social media y'all should go and tell him he's a dirty dirty little shit i'm just saying um you know like i said the case is still unsolved and i would love to hear your theories and i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast i hope i didn't talk too fast you know this is my first solo one i'm a little nervous and talking about this case just honestly makes me really fucking anxious and a little freaked out because you know the note the freemason kind of like context and just you know his best friend not wanting to participate in his investigation the break-ins up to a week before i'm sorry possible break-ins like we don't know the alarms are just set off this man was terrified he obviously knew something but nothing that would make him want to kill himself so Again, if you guys have any information regarding the Ray Rivera case, um, regarding his disappearance on May 16th, 2006, and his then um, finding of his body then eight days later in the Baltimore area, please go to unsolved.com and leave your tips, or please call in the Baltimore PD, and I will leave the number down below. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Well, I mean, I kind of hope... Well, in a way, there's really hard... Like, there's no way to enjoy this episode, to be honest. It's just a doozy. But I hope you guys enjoyed me talking about it. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe or make this your favorite. Start following me. I don't know what the rules are on the um, podcast platforms. But just do the thing. You know, ring the little bell. And I will be posting a... Another case later on this week. I think I'm going to go a little bit more lighthearted. Um, you know, I was going to go next missing children, but it feels a little too soon. Just saying. So we might do something a little weird and wacky. And hopefully I will also have a guest on next episode. If not, then get used to hearing this voice because I will be going through, like I said, the entire Unsolved Mysteries episodes from the amazing Robert Stack to now thanks to Netflix. So I'll see you guys later. Bye.